As another mass shooting grabs headlines in Louisville, we examine who's really fueling the rise in gun violence. Decades of lies about marijuana are beginning to collapse, and Joe Biden preps his 2024 run as Europe caves to China. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Free bacon, great meat, a secure price, an extra 20 bucks off with my code Ben. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Ben for 20 bucks off your order. So another awful mass shooting in Louisville, Kentucky yesterday. It has left five dead and nine others injured. According to CNN, a 25-year-old bank employee opened fire at his workplace in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. On Monday morning, he live-streamed the attack once more. Social media doing a favor to all the world's worst people. The attack left five dead and eight others injured. Authorities initially said that nine were injured in the attack. Five of those injured had gunshot wounds, a hospital spokesperson said. And um, again, originally it said four dead. Later, it became five dead. The mass shooting began at Old National Bank on East Main Street just after 8.30 a.m., according to police, about 30 minutes before the bank opened for the public. There were some prominent people who were murdered in this particular mass shooting. Apparently, the gunman had said that he was going to be fired. And uh, then he proceeded to go online and post a bunch of very weird stuff just before he went in and shot everybody up. The media coverage has focused in on the fact that this guy was some sort of varsity athlete back in college, but they are ignoring what he actually posted that morning. And again, we, I don't mention the name of mass shooters on this show, but the things that he posted the day of the shooting, he posted three memes. One was a meme from Star Wars The Last Jedi of, of Adam Driver saying, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And then the next one was from Office Space, which said, I could burn this whole place down. And then finally, the last one was, they won't listen to words or protests. Let's see if they hear this. So very unclear what he meant by any of that. Perhaps it's all a workplace violence incident. Perhaps it's not. Perhaps there's some political angle. We just don't know at this point. The Kentucky governor, Andy Bashir. He had some personal friends who were murdered in this particular mass shooting. Here he was. This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either. And one who's at the hospital that I hope is, is going to make it through. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. And my AG campaign was out of that building. I know virtually everyone in it. That's my bank. I hope that they will all reach out and get the help that they need. There are a lot of people that are hurting today. And if we have a place to focus our energy, I hope it is to surround them with the love and the compassion uh, that we have been so good at showing uh, one another. That is certainly the proper response from the governor of Kentucky. Meanwhile, the improper response came courtesy of our usual political actors. President Biden immediately swiveled into gun control talk. He said, once again, our nation mourns after a senseless act of gun violence. Jill and I pray for the lives lost and impacted by today's shooting. Too many Americans are paying for the price of inaction with their lives. When will Republicans in Congress act to protect our communities? Which is weird because he controlled Congress until... About five minutes ago, he had full control of the Senate. He had full control of the House of Representatives, and he passed something very close to nothing. Meanwhile, David Hogg, who is famous as a Parkland shooting survivor, he was several buildings away, but he was on the Parkland campus when the shooting happened. Uh, he went after the senator from Florida, Rick Scott. Rick Scott apparently also had a friend, same guy, Tommy Elliott. So my friend Tommy Elliott was killed today in Louisville. He was my banker for many years. This news is very shocking and sad for Ann and me. He did so much in the Louisville community. We pray for his family during this awful time. And David Hogg, being a not very smart or a good person, immediately tweeted out, must be tough knowing you're complicit, which is uh, just 
a vile thing to tweet. Meanwhile, Karine Jean-Pierre doing the exact same routine, world's worst press secretary. She is blaming the GOP for a mass shooting in Kentucky. Now, by, by the way, it doesn't matter that it's in Kentucky. Or a mass shooting in California would be the same exact math. It does not matter. Anytime there's a mass shooter, the Republicans get blamed. And as we'll see, there's a reason why Democrats like talking about mass shootings, but they don't actually like talking about, you know, the actual overall problem of gun violence, because things get real uncomfortable when you start talking about why there's been an uptick in overall gun violence in the United States. But here is Karine Jean-Pierre. Once again, today, the president has called on Republicans in Congress to work together with Democrats to take action to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, to require safe storage of firearms. We know that majority of the American people support this. Instead, we've watched Republican official after Republican official after Republican official double down on dangerous bills that make our schools, that makes our places, places of worship, that makes our communities less safe, while too many Americans are paying with their lives. So again, we need to act and we need Republicans to show some courage, Republicans in Congress. Uh, Again, they controlled Congress. They did nothing. They don't have a solution for any of this stuff. It's all grandstanding garbage. And it it, it all derives from the same lie they've been telling for decades, which is that if you do not agree with them, that gun control is the proper solution to things like mass shootings, then this must be because you're insufficiently motivated to stop murder which is insane coming from the party that legitimately tried to defund the police a couple of years ago. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, facts and logic are precious rarities in this crazy world, but do you know what is even more precious than facts and logic? Gold. Yeah, no, I just went right for the literal right there. When the economy is in turmoil and the stock market is tanking, there's only one thing you can count on that is precious metals, Birch Gold. That's the company I trust to help me invest in physical gold and silver. They have everything you need to protect your money in an unstable economic climate. They'll even help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in precious metals. When you invest with Birch Gold, you'll be protecting your savings from inflation and economic uncertainty. You will be just like Ron Swanson, right? all, of our, all of our favorite libertarian on TV, hoarding gold and silver like bacon and eggs. I buy gold from Birch Gold because I want financial safety for my family. You can do the same. Text Ben to 989898. Get a free info kit on gold. Start investing in your financial future today with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Countless five-star reviews. Birch Gold is the company I trust to protect my future. Yours as well. Text Ben to 989898 today to get started. Again, precious metals are the best hedge against inflation and uncertainty in the market. That's why I've diversified and you should as well. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with my friends over at Birch Gold. Okay, so... All of this raises the question, and there's a lot of focus in the media always on mass shootings. Mass shootings represent a fraction of the homicides with guns that happen in this nation. And whenever you see statistics about how there have been like 200, 300 mass shootings a year in the United States, that is a definitional question. So what they mean by this is any shooting that includes two or more people, they'll now classify as a mass shooting. But that's not what, what they're trying to do is play a semantic game with you. When you think of a mass shooting, you think of like something that just happened in Louisville, or you think of the trans man who shot up a bunch of Christian school kids at a school near Nashville, Tennessee. That's what you think when you think mass shooting. Then they say there are like 300 of these a year. They're like, whoa, I didn't even realize there are that There aren't. Okay, the sort of spectacular six, seven, eight victim mass shootings and more that you see, there's maybe six or seven of those a year, like at, at sort of top of the funnel. Now, again, every one of those in active evil, and we should do what we can to prevent those things. But When they say that there's like 200, 300 a year, what they mean by that is basically gang violence. They are looking at gang members who are shooting each other, and then they are reclassifying those as mass shootings for purposes of driving the notion that the thing we have to do is crack down on shootings like the one that happened in Louisville 
or Nashville more than the overall problem of gun homicide? Because if they focus in on the overall problem of gun homicide, you find very quickly exactly where this is happening. And the answer is big blue cities. Big blue cities is where most of the gun homicide is happening in the United States. And not only that, it is happening centrally located in neighborhoods that have a disproportionately black population. Now, again, that has nothing to do with the inherent qualities of race or anything like that. That is just a statistical fact. And that's an uncomfortable conversation that nobody on the left wants to have. Because if you point out that Vermont has lots of guns and virtually no gun crime, and that Chicago has lots of guns and tons of gun crime, it might suggest that the problem actually is not either race or guns. The problem is the societal structures that incentivize crime in these various areas. And that might implicate, you know, some of the actual governance in these areas. If you focus in on Chicago or you focus in Washington, D.C., if you focus in on the Baltimore's of the world, then that might require very different solutions because you look at those places, those have been governed by Democrats for pretty much all of time. And I've noticed a problem there, which is that virtually all of the murder in the United States is happening in cities like those ones. And you can see this in the stats. So Pew Research came out with a study just last week in which they pointed out that the number of children and teens killed by gunfire in the United States increased 50% between 2019 and 2021. Now, that's a shocking statistic. By 50%, the number of kids and teens killed by gunfire. Now, the Biden administration, the media, their take on that is that's because Republicans are evil and want kids to die in mass school shootings. But here's the reality. The vast majority of children and teens who are being killed in shootings are not being killed in schools by mass shooters, obviously. They're being killed in neighborhoods where people are shooting at people. In 2019, before the COVID pandemic, there were 1,732 gun deaths among U.S. kids aged under the age of 18. By 2021, that figure had increased to 2,590. The gun death rate among kids and teens rose from 2.4 fatalities per 100,000 minor residents in 2019 to 3.5 per 100,000 two years later. That's a 46% increase. So what exactly happened here? Well, number one, you can see where the spike occurred. The spike occurred immediately during the Black Lives Matter protests. So as soon as Black Lives Matter happened and all the cops were removed from the high crime areas in the United States, all the gun homicides went up. Isn't that a shocker? It also turns out that gun deaths are much more common among some groups of children and teens, according to Pew. So number one, homicide is the leading type of gun death for 2021 for not suicide for all kids under the age of 18. But suicides account for a significant share of gun deaths among those aged 12 to 17. Accidents account for a sizable share of gun deaths among those five and under. Racial and ethnic differences, this is Pew. Okay, so if you have a problem with the racial breakdown I'm about to do, argue with Pew. Racial and ethnic differences in gun deaths among kids are stark. In 2021, 46% of all gun deaths, all gun deaths among children and teens involved black victims. Only 14% of the United States under 18 population that year was black. Much smaller shares of gun deaths among children and teens in 2021 involved white, 32%, Hispanic, 17%, and Asian, 1% victims. So in other words, the only share of the population where the gun deaths are approximately equivalent to the percentage of the population overall is Hispanic. The the white population is about 60, 70% of the country, 32% of the gun deaths. Black Americans, 14% of the under 18 population, 46% of all gun deaths. Black kids are about five times as likely as white kids to die from gunfire. Five times as likely. And again, that that increase in death is largely centralized 2019-2020 post-BLM. Post-BLM. So if you actually wanted to stop the death of children, if you actually wanted to stop gun homicide generally, you might have to think about some different things than ban all the guns. Ban all the guns ain't going to do it. 
You're looking in the wrong place. But this is why, again, the media focus in on the mass shootings so they don't have to talk about the actual problem of gun homicide, which might implicate their own policies. So instead, what they do is they misdirect to Republicans want guns on the streets. It's Republican. Republicans are the real problem here. And you know what the real problem is? The real problem is they're insufficiently committed to stopping death. And that, in fact, they are so little committed to stopping death and destruction that they would rather spend their time expelling heroic members of the Tennessee state legislature. So the media decided to cover as heroes yesterday the so-called Tennessee Three. I got to say, these folks are some of the most grandstanding political actors I have ever seen. Truly amazing, amazing stuff. So, for example, I just want to show you a tweet from Representative Gloria Johnson. Okay, This was Gloria Johnson and her two friends, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. Jones and Pearson have been expelled. Gloria Johnson, uh, she, she survived because she is a coward. And so she went on the floor of the Tennessee legislature. She's like, I didn't do anything, guys. Like, I, I was there and it was like... Sure, but they were the ones who really did it. And then the minute they get expelled, she's like, I am a heroine standing next to these two young black men because I am a hero. Not all heroes wear capes. This is a picture, for those who can't see, of the three of them smiling broadly and giving particular hand gestures to the camera. And behind them is a sign that says, good morning, America. What th- These people look really broken up about the mass shooting in, in Nashville, Tennessee. That, that was what sourced all this, right? The reason that they had this protest that turned into a quasi-riot in which they invaded the state capitol building was, of course, because they cared so much about the victims in Tennessee. Do these people look to you like people who deeply care about victims, or do they look super-duper happy to be on the TVs? They're super-duper happy to be on the TVs. Again, imagine a Republican was going on TV to talk about mass shooting, and his expression was, everybody in the media would be like, that's creepy and weird. But you're a Democrat, which means that you are a hero. And again, this is all grandstanding crap to avoid the actual real conversation. We'll get to more of this grandstanding garbage in just one second. First, the economy, as you may have noticed, not good. You need to change your spending habits. If you haven't changed the way you buy meat yet, you really need to because the prices of meat are out of control. Let me give you three reasons to subscribe to Good Ranchers. First, Good Ranchers is giving you free bacon for a year. There's a pound and a half of bacon in every box. That is a $240 value. Second, Good Ranchers offers a price lock guarantee meaning when you subscribe, your price does not change for the length of your subscription. When the price of meat is expected to increase by another 4.5% this year, this could be a huge savings for you and your family. Third, Good Ranchers Meat, it's unlike any other. Their all-natural burgers, USDA prime steaks, better than organic chicken will change your standard for great meat. So they made me, I'm a special person, they made me one special kosher steak. And let me just tell you, that if that kosher steak is indicative in any way of the rest of their product, which it is, it's one of the best steaks I ever had in my life. So good. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Ben for 20 bucks off your order. Again, you get free bacon, great meat, secure price, 20 bucks off your first order. Use promo code Ben at GoodRanchers.com. That's GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval, dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly 
in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. Okay, so these grandstanders, amazing stuff. So the media, again, they've decided they're not going to focus on the actual real story here of of real gun violence and where that is happening. Instead, they're going to talk about the supposed victimization of these three heroes. And by three heroes, I really mean two heroes and a white lady and a Karen. So according to the Washington Post, Nashville expulsions, two steps forward, one back for black residents. Ah, the black residents of Nashville are the real victims in all of this. Sure, it was just a bunch of Christian school kids who got murdered, but the real victims here. So this is the second round. The first round was the real victims are members of the trans community. When a trans man murders a bunch of Christian school kids, that's the real victims. Now the real victims are the black people in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're wondering why it is that we won't just talk about the topic at issue, a trans man murdering Christian kids, I wonder why. Or why we won't talk about the the actual issue, gun homicide in the United States and the areas from which it springs. You can see why. You can see why it does not fit the bill. But according to the Washington Post, Last week's decision by the Tennessee House of Representatives to kick out the black man who represents this area reinforced to Tahuana Nation that that this is still a state where white men wield the true power, a persistent legacy ingrained here for centuries. She said, quote, it's always like we go two steps forward and one step back. It's never like just keep going forward. Across southeastern Nashville and surrounding Davidson County, the expulsion of former state representative Justin Jones, who represented this area until Republicans booted him and a Memphis-based legislator on Thursday has roiled the emotions of residents who are trying to make sense of what it means for their own futures here. Ah, cosplaying the revolution. Okay, so let's talk about this cosplaying revolution nonsense. So number one, this representative Justin Jones, one of the two, one of the Tennessee two, it's not Tennessee three. Again, the white lady didn't get expelled. It's the two black guys who got expelled. So Justin Jones has now been reinstated and sworn in. That was the National Metro Council that voted Monday night to reinstate Jones to his former seat. And this led to jubilation in the streets. Ugh, so much, so much excitement. Here we go. It's a declaration that's being prepared, a document. Um, if you all can see, this is the oath of office signed by the chancellor. So this is, we're seeing this history right now in real time. This is um, signing of the oath of office with one hundred thirteen general assembly. The crowd erupts. So much history. The, the person you hear commenting there is Mark Thompson, a civil rights activist on MSNBC. He said, it certainly is history. That's because gun violence touches everyone. What the Republicans didn't expect was this type of reaction, this type of backlash. You could not get a flight into Nashville today. The masses were coming here. Ugh, the absolute heroism. Now, when I say cosplaying the revolution, let me just point out that the two people who are at the center of this, namely Justin Pearson and Justin Jones, uh, they have a long history of, um, of cosplaying the revolution. So back in 2019, Justin Jones was 23 and he was arrested and charged by the Tennessee Highway Patrol after throwing a cup of coffee into an elevator of lawmakers, allegedly, at the state capitol. That was in 2019. So this is a person who had great respect for the state capitol building all the way back in 2019 when he apparently was going to elevators and throwing cups of coffee at state legislators. At the time, the Tennessee Highway Patrol reported that when then-speaker Glenn Casado left a meeting to get on an elevator, Jones attempted to push past troopers and get on the elevator. When he wasn't allowed on the elevator, apparently, the Tennessee Highway Patrol said Jones started yelling at the speaker, calling him a racist and then threw a cup with an unknown liquid believed to be coffee at the speaker. Now this person is uh, sitting in the Tennessee state legislature. So the heroism comes in so many shapes and sizes. By the way, I would like to point out at this point 
that no one apparently had any problem whatsoever when the Republicans, when a Republican in the Oregon House was expelled from the from the Oregon State House in December of 2020. In June of 2021, lawmakers in Oregon ejected one of their own colleagues from office 59 to 1. Why? Well, because he encouraged people to breach the state capitol. Again, the rule is when a Republican does it and then gets expelled, that's totally deserved and he, and he needed it. Speaker Tina Kodak, a Democrat, said, quote, his actions were blatant and deliberate. His show no remorse for jeopardizing the safety of every person in the Capitol that day. And the New York Times compared it to the January 6th siege. Again, when it's Democrats doing it, it's heroism. When it's Republicans doing it, well, they, they deserve to be expelled from the legislature. The, the other person, J- Justin Jones, is, is one of the people who, uh, who has been making the most of this. Uh, he actually went on Good Morning America, you know, smiling, he's super happy about doing it because he's getting his day in the sunshine. And uh, he said this was like a political lynching, which is um, absurd considering he, this is exactly what he wanted. He's now significantly more famous than he was before. You know what? You know what? There are not a lot of pictures of at lynchings. People who are being lynched smiling broadly for the cameras in front of a Good Morning America sign. I'm just going to point that out here. Here's, here's Justin Jones playing the part. I think there's no coincidence that the two youngest black lawmakers, I'm 27, Representative Pearson is 28, were kicked out by an almost entirely white 75-member caucus on strictly partisan lines. It was a political lynching. It was an attempt to make a spectacle, an example out of us, to say, how dare you think you are equal? And, and, and what they're doing is, which the most egregious part, is that it's not about us, but it's about the 78,000 people each of us represent, predominantly black and brown constituents who have no voice on Capitol Hill right now, no one to do their constituent relations, no one to speak for them. Yes, he, the, well, oh, the heroism. We'll get to the other hero of the day, Justin Pearson, in just one second. Because when you talk about people who are, <laughs> let's say they've, let's say they've changed their public profile. He'll put it kindly. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact that I need my black rifle coffee. My kids wake me up too early every single morning, and I'm barely awake. And I kind of stumble into the kitchen with my three children in tow. I pour them some cereal, and then I get myself some Black Rifle coffee. And that gets me going every single morning. Black Rifle coffee is fueling Americans before they go out and do epic things with their lives. They're ready to drink cans, are crafted for quality and convenience. If you want a Spartan-level caffeine kick, try Black Rifle's Ready to Drink 300, an electrifying blend of MCT oil and amino acids that will supercharge your day. Ready to Drink 300 is packed with 300 milligrams of caffeine. Plus, it comes in a variety of delicious flavors, each combined with a large dose of Wake the Heck Up. Ready to Drink cans? They're an amazing grab-and-go coffee option designed to give you the boost you need to get through your day. I love Black Rifle Coffee, not only because they make excellent coffee, but because a portion of every single sale is donated to support veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When I buy from Black Rifle, I'm supporting the people who keep our country safe and free. You should do the same. Head on over to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro at checkout for 10% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off. You can also find Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores near you. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. Okay, so the other hero of the day is, of course, Justin Pearson. I'd like to introduce you to Justin Pearson. So we're going to do what he said yesterday, and then we're going to go back into the past of Justin Pearson. So here was Justin Pearson on Good Morning America. Again, very mournful about gun death in in Tennessee, which is why he was on Good Morning America smiling broadly. Here he was saying that he didn't know they were breaking a rule, which uh, that's a lie. I'm sorry. What? How many of you, you know who didn't know they were breaking a rule by the same token? All the people who were trespassing on January 6th that day, they were wandering through. They were just standing between the rope lines. You know, it was just a tour. It was a normal tour. Everybody in Leslie, no, those are rioters. Those are evil, terrible rioters. Throw them in prison forever. Not the ones who are violent. All of them. Throw everyone in prison for the rest of their lives because obviously they're alive. Justin Pearson, who led a crowd to breach the Capitol building and then is standing on video in the middle of the Capitol building with a bullhorn is like, because that's the way normally you do business, right? You go down to the rostrum. I've seen the Speaker of the House. 
I've seen Kevin McCarthy on the bullhorn. He does it all the time. And the federal legislative, here's Justin Pearson being like, I didn't even know. We, what? You're, what? No. You're saying we broke the, no. You knew, you say you knew it would be violating uh, decorum rules, but did you have any idea that the backlash would be like this from your colleagues? No, we had no idea that what we were doing would break a rule that could lead to our possible expulsion or our actual expulsions. What we were doing was listening to voters who said that we need to listen to the people who want to have gun safety laws. We need to stop the epidemic of gun violence and we need to stop the proliferation of weapons in our communities in addition to our schools. This was a tragedy that happened at the Covenant School in Nashville, but instead of addressing the tragedy, the Republican supermajority in Tennessee decided that uh, our using our First Amendment right to listen to the thousands of protesters deserved expulsion. Uh, well, that, that wasn't actually a First Amendment right, is to break into the Capitol building and then seize the rostrum and start shouting from a bullhorn, as it turns out. Uh, also, again, what, what's amazing about so much of this media coverage is they're pretending the Tennessee legislature did nothing. That's not true. The Tennessee legislature literally passed a bill to increase the amount of security at schools. But Justin Pearson, he doesn't like that solution because that solution doesn't serve his political purposes. So he says more security officers is not a solution, which is weird because literally every single mass shooting is stopped by the presence of security officers eventually. The only question is whether it's sooner or whether it is later. We walked to the floor of the well because we were being silenced by the speaker and by people in positions of power who weren't listening to the thousands of people who showed up to the Capitol saying to do something. We walked to the well of the floor in a peaceful protest because we know that there is a way to end and to prevent gun violence from happening. And the Republican Party in Tennessee would rather try to put more guns and security officers in schools than solutions. And right now, what we are seeing is the erosion of our democracy. The erosion of our democracy. Okay, so this guy, when I say he's cosplaying, I mean he's cosplaying. Okay, so here he uh, he gave a speech over the weekend, did Justin Pearson, at a local church. And uh, it was kind of wild. Here's what he sounded like. Let us go into the house of the Lord. I I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Would, would you mind going ahead and praying with me now, Mother God, Creator God, loving God, holy God. Mother take God. this, your servant, made from dust and connect it with the raw materials of stardust to speak in this moment, to say something that brings forward the word you've placed into my heart. I accept my unworthiness for such a task as bold as this, and I seek your guidance as you use me and speak through me, to the ancestor preachers who made sermons from hymns, moans, and groans, and spirituals from the bondage of slavery, speak now through this your descendant. Okay, the reason I'm laughing is because uh, I also have a clip of Justin Pearson from 2016 when he was in college running for student president, and uh, he did not sound anything remotely like that. Also, he looks completely different. He's wearing like a very nice two-piece suit, and uh, he has a very close crop haircut, and uh, here he is sounding completely not like that. I'm Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I wanted to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices. Okay, okay, voices, so you can, you can hear the difference. This is how the game of politics is played in our cosplaying idiocy era. By the way, all of the policies that Democrats actually pursue in the big cities that maximize gun homicide, they, it turns out they maximize gun homicide. According to the Wall Street Journal, Chicago mayor-elect Brandon Johnson, he was just, so they got rid of Lori Lightfoot and they decided to put in male Lori Lightfoot, who is Brandon Johnson. And um, he immediately declared that his first priority 
is to make large corporations pay more tax. He said, quote, 70% of large corporations in the state of Illinois did not pay a corporate tax. It's that kind of restraint on our budget that has caused the type of disinvestment that has led to poverty that, of course, has led to violence. So it's not lack of cops on the streets. It's not hamstringing the cops. It is not fortifying the, the violent crime areas of the city. It is the fact that corporations need higher taxes. So it'll be fun to watch Chicago turn completely into Detroit as we ignore all the real problems in our society in favor of the of the fame and fortune to be won through political cosplaying. And meanwhile, when we speak of crime, you know, it, it is amazing that for literally decades, we have been told that marijuana was going to be just a normal part of American life and that is completely non-addictive and that it has no real impact on, on, on people. And now we are starting to see that people are just now recognizing that People were lying for a very, very long time. According to the New York Times, which was a big proponent of the idea that weed was totally fine, apparently nearly 6% of all American teens and adults have cannabis use disorder. They're addicted to weed. Remember that time that people said that weed was non-addictive, which always seemed a little sketch? Um, and if you know anybody, uh, in your circle of friends, there are certainly people who are addicted to weed. There's a huge percentage of people in this country, particularly young people, who are in fact addicted to weed. And if you're looking at why the underperformance of the millennials, it's not all of it, but Part of it is definitely people who are addicted to weed and are underperforming in their lives because of that. According to the New York Times, despite the common misconception, people can become addicted to cannabis just as they can with other drugs like alcohol or cocaine. As more states either decriminalize or legalize cannabis, more people are using it than ever before. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, in 2021, approximately 19% of Americans 12 and older used cannabis. Nearly 6% of teens and adults qualified as having cannabis use disorder. That would be the clinical name for addiction. For comparison, about 11% of Americans over the age of 11 are alcoholics. So, by the way, it is worth pointing out here that the marijuana that people are using today is significantly more potent than the marijuana that people were using when we were growing up. I'm 40. Or, well, I'm 39. When, when, people are, when, when people were growing up, when I grew up, the type of marijuana that was being shipped over the border largely from Mexico, that, that, that type of marijuana was simply less powerful than the kind of marijuana that the kids are now smoking and using. And this is why you get stories like the one from National Review about marijuana-induced psychosis, which is becoming ever more common as well. According to National Review, Kat Mayberry grabbed her backpack and ran out the door with no jacket, hat, or gloves. She ran through snow flurries on a cold Minnesota day. She ran down the street, down the hill. She ran down the nature trail near her family's home in Eden Prairie, a southwest suburb of Minneapolis. Trent Mayberry, Kat's dad, ran after his 20-year-old daughter. He caught up to her, grabbed her by the backpack, stopping her. They sat together on the frozen ground. Trent cried. Kat was scared, but otherwise expressionless. Kat said, let me go. Trent guided his daughter home, holding the straps of her backpack, using it to direct her like a joystick. How could this girl, walking like a zombie, be the same girl who just a few years earlier had been a sunny honor student and varsity athlete with the world at her fingertips? Sure, she'd been using marijuana, but to Trent, it was just pot, basically harmless. Desperate, Trent and Jane took their, fall, took their daughter to the emergency room. It was there in the fall of 2018 they first got the real understanding of what was troubling her, schizophrenia. So yes, it turns out that heavy use of marijuana can exacerbate the problem of psychosis. The, what we've been told lies by media about marijuana for a very long time because, again, so much of our country is built around the idea that it's fuddy-duddy and uncool to point out real dangers to children. And then it turns out that the real dangers actually materialize. We're like, ah, oh, how could this have happened? It's just such a shock. It's just such a shock that any of this happened in the first place. So meanwhile, anybody who is, who is now against legalization of marijuana on the state level is terrible and bad. It's completely destroyed, by the way, the city of Denver. If you go to Denver... The entire city smells like pot right now. There's tremendous homelessness. Crime rates have increased. None of this should be a shock. But we're all supposed to be surprised when things like this happen. Again, because 
We're every, every generation, we're supposed to be increasingly stupid. It is the only way, apparently, to address the real problems in the world. You ignore the real problem, and then you focus on the ancillary political discussion. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to Joe Biden, who oddly declared himself eligible for the presidency 2024 first. As Jews in Ukraine are celebrating Passover, the threat of war remains a harsh reality. Many elderly Jews and Holocaust survivors have fled their homes. They're now seeking a place to live. They're in desperate need of life's basic needs like food and water. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews has been in Ukraine every day since the war actually started. The fellowship's partners and volunteers are on the ground right now. They need your help to reach even more Jewish lives with life-saving food so God's people of Ukraine can celebrate Passover with dignity and devotion in fact. The need for Passover meals has reached levels they have never seen before. Not only are they helping elderly Jews in harm's way in Ukraine, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is also caring for orphaned kids, families, and Holocaust survivors living in extreme poverty throughout Israel and the former Soviet Union. With a gift of just 25 bucks, you can provide one person with a Passover food box filled with matzah and other special Passover foods. Plus, they've now worked out a special matching opportunity where your gift will double in impact. So go to benfortheFellowship.org or call 800-331-3737 to make a gift of just 25 bucks to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews to help rush a Passover food box. That's benforthefellowship.org or call 800-331-3737. Rush over a Passover food box today and help out. Also, if you're looking for something interesting to watch, check out our brand new series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one focused on Apollo 11. Right now, for a limited time, all four of those episodes are available for free on YouTube. Meanwhile, at Daily Wire Plus, season two of What We Saw is in full swing. This time, Bill sets his sights on the Cold War and the tension between two superpowers that lasted for almost half a century. Episode five picks up with the death of Joseph Stalin as a newly inaugurated President Eisenhower has just taken office with knives out for succession in the USSR. Eisenhower sees this moment as a very brief window of opportunity to reset the conflict. Bill makes you feel like you're there witnessing history's tremendous series. New episodes of Cold War come out every single week. You have to be a member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash Cold War to start watching today. Okay, meanwhile, our uh, babbling idiot of a president has now announced that he wants to run for re-election in 2024. Meanwhile, World War III is actually drawing ever closer. Not just because Donald Trump literally just put out on Truth Social a giant statement that just said, World War III, but also because World War III is actually drawing ever closer. I'll explain in a moment, but... First, I think that we need an inspiring, an inspiring announcement of Joe Biden's reelect effort. It was Easter Sunday, and the president of the United States had some very inspiring and edifying words for all of us about his 2024 run. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe so, six. So what the hell? Are you, are you saying that uh, you would be uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024? Well, I'll either, so either, either roll an egg or you know, being the, the, good, you know, the guy who's pushing them out. Come on. Help a, bro- <laughs> help a brother out. Make no, some news no, for no, me. No. I I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. Oh, you're going to be rolling eggs or pushing them out of my ass. I know, like a a chicken. chicken. I like chicken. Chicken is delicious. Fried, battered, basted, delicious chicken. President. And Joe Biden is standing there looking increasingly horrified, like a deer in the the oncoming. (laughs) A deer in the headlights. Train is oncoming. Yeah, good, good stuff right there. That guy's with it. Well, he has a strategy come 2024. According to Axios, Joe Biden's actual strategy, he's going to lean on social media influencers. So get ready for all of your favorite makeup artists and Dylan Mulvaney to put out inspiring videos about how Joe Biden must be reelected president of the United States. According to Jen O'Malley Dillon, the White House Deputy Chief of Staff, we're trying to reach young people, but also moms who use different platforms to get information and climate activists and people whose main way of getting information is digital. So who exactly 
is being given access to the Biden White House. This includes Harry Sisson, a 20-year-old NYU student who breaks down the news on TikTok. Boston College professor Heather Cox Richardson, who has a widely read Substack and huge Twitter following. And Vivian Tu, a former trader who discusses financial topics in short clips on TikTok and Instagram. Yeah, they're definitely going to shut down TikTok, probably, probably, while they use TikTok in order to foster Joe Biden's reelect efforts. I'm sure China would be very, very happy with Joe Biden's reelect efforts, given the strength that Joe Biden has now given to China. So China is growing ever more aggressive. They actually put out a video the other day of what it would look like when they take the war to Taiwan. Here's a little bit of that. Good morning, George. Yeah, another day of unpredictable Chinese drills around Taiwan this morning, simulating sealing off this self-governed island. Taiwan says dozens of Chinese warplanes once again crossed the very sensitive de facto maritime border of the Taiwan Strait. China's army releasing an animated video of what it would look like if key targets were hit. China sending a clear message that it's angry about a visit to the U.S. by Taiwanese leader Tsai Ing-wen when she met with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So China has been upping the ante. According to the Associated Press, China's military declared on Monday it is, quote unquote, ready to fight after completing three days of large scale combat exercises around Taiwan that simulated sealing off the island in response to the Taiwanese president's trip to the United States last week. The combat readiness patrols named Joint Sword were meant as a warning to self-governing Taiwan, which China claims is its own, according to the Chinese military. They said, quote, the theater's troops are ready to fight at all times and can fight at any time to resolutely smash any form of Taiwan independence and foreign interference attempts. Those exercises were similar to the ones conducted by China last August. That is when they launched a few missiles around Taiwan to yell at basically Nancy Pelosi visiting. These are a little bit smaller and less disruptive, apparently, but that's not actually the big move by China right here. The big move by China is that they are drawing ever closer to Europe. So you'll recall that Joe Biden, during the war in Ukraine, he's been given credit by the entire media for unifying Europe. Look at the leadership of Joe Biden. Now, the reality is that Joe Biden led from behind. He was late on every decision. Joe Biden, you'll recall, actually gave a press conference in which he said that Russia could gobble up at least part of Ukraine with no repercussions. And say the whole of Ukraine is like part of you. If they go into certain parts, I don't know if that'll be war, but they'll probably take this part. And it turns out that Russia was like, okay, we'll just eat the whole thing. And then he has slow walked aids Ukraine this entire way, despite People on the right suggesting that he's given like open-ended aid to Ukraine. That actually isn't true. The reality is that Joe Biden has actually slow-walked aid to Ukraine, which is one of the reasons why, according to leaked documents about the U.S. war effort in Ukraine, Ukraine is now running short on missile defense systems, which is a real problem for them. Okay, so, but Europe was the one that was actually leading, and then Joe Biden was sort of filling in the gaps. It was Poland that was leading. It was, believe it or not, Britain and France who were actually more aggressive at the beginning. And yet Joe Biden was out there taking all the credit. And he was saying, listen, we're drawing closer to you because now that Russia is at war in Ukraine, that is alienating you from their oil supplies. So you are now more reliant on the United States. Look at this. Look at the strategic opportunity. Well, you would imagine then that if the president of France visited with Xi Jinping over in China, that it would be kind of a cool reception, right? It would be kind of like a, a little bit standoffish. You wouldn't expect them to be best friends. or anything. After all, Joe Biden has suggested that China is an opponent of the United States. China is working with Russia in Ukraine, pretty clearly. China has aggressive intent with regard to Taiwan. And Joe Biden is apparently, you know, the center of European foreign policy. He's a guy who's unified the entire West, according to our beloved media. Well, uh, that's not what came out from that Emmanuel Macron visit. So first, Emmanuel Macron himself put out an extraordinarily warm video about going to China. And he basically looks like a tourist. I mean, he's just grinning ear to ear as he meets with Chinese officials. And this is just a Chinese propaganda video on behalf of the French government. <laughs> For those who can't see, he's now hugging Chinese officials. 
and then like very fast clips of him visiting through China. And here he is meeting with various people in China and talking with them and being best friends. Here he is visiting Peking. And, he, and it's like videos of the Chinese soldiers who are walking in like propagandistic fashion. Here comes, here comes Xi, and it's propaganda videos of Xi, and then here comes Macron. They're all visiting, they're all happy, happy do. Everything's great. And then it turns out that that was just the first step because Macron actually then came out publicly and he said that Europe must reduce its dependency not on China, not on Russia, on the United States and avoid getting dragged into a confrontation between China and the United States over Taiwan. Speaking with Politico and two French journalists after spending around six hours with Xi Jinping, Macron emphasized his pet theory of strategic autonomy for Europe, presumably led by France to become a third superpower. He said the great risk Europe faces, it gets caught up in crises that are not ours, which prevents it from building its strategic autonomy. He says the paradox would be that overcome with panic, we believe we are just America's followers. The question Europeans need to answer is, is it in our interest to accelerate a crisis on Taiwan? No. The worst thing would be to think that we Europeans must become followers on this topic and take our cue from the U.S. agenda and a Chinese overreaction. Just hours after his flight left, Huang Zhao headed back to Paris. China launched large-scale military exercises because, as it turns out, one of the things that China desperately wants is flexibility from the Europeans. <laughs> right? So Joe Biden couldn't, in order to dissuade China from invading Taiwan, you need to show a united front. This has been the entire premise of the war in Ukraine. You want to stop, you want to stop China from invading Taiwan, show a united front in Ukraine. This has been like... This is not a secret. Everybody knows that this was the agenda item in Ukraine. It was with one eye toward China and Taiwan. And now the French are preemptively being like, yeah, you know, if, if, if you guys go to war over Taiwan, I'm not so sure we're in. And maybe maybe we should be like on China's side. I don't know, maybe. And, and China immediately goes, okay, fine. Let's ramp up those military exercises because obviously we've got some wiggle room here between Europe and the United States. So excellent diplomacy in here by the president of the United States who has somehow achieved the signal feat of alienating the very allies he was supposed to unify. Plus, as it turns out, the allies of the United States are also being alienated by these leaks that came out. So there are a bunch of leaks that came out over the course of the last week with regard to American foreign policy in Ukraine. According to the Wall Street Journal, the Pentagon and Justice Department began an investigation last week into document leaks when some purported U.S. DOD presentations were posted by Russian propagandists on Telegram on Thursday. The Wall Street Journal hasn't been able to independently verify their authenticity, but Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh said Sunday, the U.S. continued to assess the validity of the documents that appeared to contain sensitive and highly classified material. Well, some of that material suggests that Ukraine may run out of air defenses sometime in the very near future, which means Russia is going to escalate everything that is going on, and American allies are freaking out about it. According to Politico, U.S. in crisis mode with allies after Ukraine intel leak. Senior U.S. officials are racing to placate frustrated and confused allies from Europe to the Middle East to Kiev following a leak of highly classified information about the war in Ukraine and other global issues. After news of the leak broke last week, senior intelligence, State Department, and Pentagon officials reached out to their counterparts to quell worries about the publishing of the intel, according to four officials familiar with those conversations. One said that members of the Five Eyes, that's the intelligence consortium between the U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and New Zealand, have asked for briefings from Washington, but they've never received a substantive response. Meanwhile, officials in London, Brussels, Berlin, Dubai, and Kiev questioned Washington about how the information ended up online in the first place. Who was responsible for the leak? What exactly was going to happen to stop all of this? So more crisis from this administration with regard to foreign policy. And again, China is getting stronger. The BRICS nations recently surpassed the G7 in terms of total global GDP. Now, again, that's not a fair comparison because the BRICS nations also represent 41% of total global population. The G7 nations are nowhere near that. But 
What it does mean is that the aggregate power of those countries, and that would mainly be Russia, China, India, you know, Brazil, and South Korea sort of brings up the rear there, that the, the possibility of providing a counterweight to Western power, especially a fragmented Western power, is quite real, which is why you've seen so many nations in the Middle East, including Saudi Arabia and Iran, and even allies like Israel starting to look at China and be like, do we have to triangulate here? What exactly are we supposed to do here? It's, it's, it's amazing. You want to generate dis-ease with the international system? All you have to do is follow Joe Biden's path here. He's created more chaos. More countries are looking to go nuclear now. Everyone feels less safe because Joe Biden is president of the United States. We are now closer than ever to World War III because Joe Biden is a very, very bad president. Meanwhile, the Pentagon has been relegated to warning journalists not to report on things, which is always a good sign. Here's John Kirby, who is the national security spokesperson, warning journalists that they shouldn't report on the leaked documents. This is, uh, again, without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. It has no business, if you don't mind me saying, uh, on the pages of, uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on television. It is not intended for public uh, consumption, uh, and it should not be out there. This is what we've been relegated to. Uh, just so many signs of strength. Okay, we'll get to more in just one moment. First, let's talk about the fact that you probably haven't changed something for a long time. Your underwear. I don't mean that specific pair. I hope that you changed that recently. I'm just saying that the entire brand of underwear uses garbage. You need better underwear. If you're still rocking the worn out cotton undies, it's time for a new pair of Tommy John underwear. Your life becomes significantly better in Tommy John underwear. Name a problem with any other underwear brand. Tommy John has solved it for you. Tommy John underwear is made with breathable, lightweight, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Designed to move with you, Tommy John underwear comes with that no wedgie guarantee thanks to a non-rolling waistband and legs that never ride up. Would have been super helpful to me in high school. When you wear Tommy John. You're so much more comfortable that you can do everything better. It's durable. It's breathable. It's lightweight. Yeah, I actually, it's not just great for, for men. I have Tommy John underwear. I threw out all my other underwear. My wife actually has Tommy John stuff. She threw out all of the other stuff. With over 20 million pairs sold, people are raving about Tommy John. They don't just have customers. They have fanatics. Every purchase is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free. Guarantee. Get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. That's 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash Ben. TommyJohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Alrighty, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like. When Americans decide that they are motivated to stop the woke corporate nonsense, it turns out that their purchasing power has real impact. So this is my favorite story of the day. Apparently, Bud Light is just getting absolutely crushed in terms of its sales over the course of the last week and a half. It turns out that when you decide that your chief marketing effort needs to be led by a man pretending to be a woman who is also pretending not to know what March Madness is, and that this, this is the way that you're going to go. You're going to diversify your audience away from essentially low-income white people and toward instead, you know, like trans women. That Terrible marketing strategy. According to Fox Business, Bud Light suffered a bloodbath this past weekend. Consumers nationwide revolted against the nation's top-selling beer brand after it stepped recklessly into the culture wars last week with its new spokesperson, Dylan Mulvaney, according to bar owners and beer industry experts around the country. Jeff Fitter, owner of Case and Bucks, a restaurant and sports bar in Barnhart, Missouri, said, I think society flexes its muscles sometimes. He said, in Bud Light's efforts to be inclusive, they excluded almost everybody else, including their traditional audience. Fitter's Bar witnessed a catastrophic decrease in sales of the hometown suds among loyal and local customers this week. Sales of Anheuser-Busch Anheuser -Busch bottled products dropped 30% over the past week. Draft beer plummeted 50%. Bud Light normally outsells rival products like Miller Lite and Coors Light 25 to 1 at Braintree Brewhouse in Massachusetts. That is a sports bar outside of Boston. Not this week. 80% of Bud Light drinkers ordered something else this week, according to the brewhouse owner. 
The 20% who did order Bud Light weren't on social media and hadn't even heard about the transgender person pitch yet. One pub in Hell's Kitchen, a New York City neighborhood known for its large and vocal gay community, reported Bud Light draft sales dropped 58% this week. Bud Light bottle sales were down 70%. Apparently, that bar typically sells through three kegs of Bud Light at one of their events. This is a, this is a, this is a sales rep in Texas. And they, they sponsor a weekly dart league with about 100 plus players every Thursday night. That bar sells three kegs of Bud Light at the event, usually, which is a total of 495 12 ounce pours. The bar sold a grand total of four 12 ounce Bud Light bottles the entire week. So it turns out, you know what Bud Light customers don't like? Dylan Mulvaney ad campaigns. It turns out that is a bad, bad move. According to some of the other owners, quote, it's kind of mind boggling they stepped into this realm. You're marketing to an audience that represents a fraction of 1% of consumers while alienating a much larger base of your consumers. Apparently, Bud Light sales have been declining for years, and the brand is likely to be overtaken soon by Corona or Modella as the nation's top-selling beer brand, according to industry observers. I mean, in, in the competition for which is the worst beer, I guess Bud Light is now coming in, you know, first. They, they are the worst beer in America. But your marketing campaign did not help. Now, here's the thing. You might imagine, you might imagine for just a fraction of one second that the executive who is responsible for all of this would get fired, right? That the VP over at Anheuser-Busch, who's responsible for this nonsense, uh, would lose her job. After all, she's done an absolutely horrifyingly terrible job, right? She's the person who suggested, as we played on yesterday's show, that they need to diversify their audience. The best way to diversify your audience is to find a man who pretends that he is a little girl and then have him hold up a Bud Light can with a picture of himself on it as a woman. That person will never be fired ever for the rest of, of her life. She has just ensured job security for herself forever. This is the beauty of wokeness. Her name is Alyssa Heinerscheid. She is, Alyssa will be working for Bud Light the rest of her career, as long as she wants to, because the minute she is fired, she will sue. This is the beauty of DEI. You hire people. You hire people for diversity and equity and inclusion, and then they promote diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then your business, just explodes. And you're like, oh man, you did a crap job. I thought that you were in charge of selling more beer, not less beer. They're like, yes, but the beer, the people we're selling beer to are better people. And if you don't appreciate the moral quality of the people who now buy Bud Light, sure, it's like two of them, but they, they are the best people. They are transgender, half Native American, half black, half Hispanic, three halves, little people. They, those are the best people. And if you don't appreciate that and you fire me, I will sue you. I will sue you for discrimination against me, against the trans community. All I was doing was trying to make the world a better place. This is what happens when companies decide that they're not in the business of catering to their audience. They're in the business of making the world a better place. You're not. The way that companies typically make the world a better place is by providing goods and services that the market actually likes. It is not the job of Alyssa, whatever her name is, to actually promote world as better place from her perch at Bud Light. No one is looking to Bud Light for moral guidance. It is a beer if they want to provide moral guidance, then they should get into the non-alcoholic beverage business. It turns out alcohol, not amazing for moral guidance. But again, this is the best way to ensure job security forever is to be woke as F. Okay, meanwhile, a thing that I hate. Okay, so this is just an awful story and I hesitate to even comment on it because it's so terrifying and, and gross. So the Dalai Lama is 87 years old. And... um. A video has now emerged of the Dalai Lama being a super giant weirdo. That is to put it very, very kindly. In most other contexts, this would be considered 
pedophilic. I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it when an 87-year-old man tells a child to suck his tongue. That is a thing that actually happened. And I, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about it, but it did happen. He is supposedly one of the world's great moral leaders. That's not good, exactly. And by the way, you do know that the media have focused on it like a tiny little bit. Imagine that this was Pope Francis. Okay, if this were Pope Francis, nonstop media coverage, entire Catholic Church filled with pedophiles, that would be the media coverage, right? The, the, the entire Catholic Church for 2,000 years has been about molesting little boys, and now the evidence is right before our eyes. Here you have the Dalai Lama caught on tape saying to a small child to suck his tongue, and the entire media is like, what Okay, here we go. So there's this boy who went up to him and asked him for a hug. The Dalai Lama called him on stage and said, along with that hug, give me a kiss on the cheek. So he, he, he obliged that young boy. Straight after that, the Dalai Lama then asked for a kiss on the mouth. He pulled the boy's uh, chin in and gave him a kiss on the mouth. Now, moments later, then the Dalai Lama said, and I'm going to quote him here, and suck my tongue. Now, this clip has gone viral across social media. Sections of people on social media have called this outrageous. His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as his many friends across the world for the hurt his words may have caused. What's interesting here is, Christine, they're not talking about his actions, but the words. Yeah, that would be the, the that would be the, the weird thing about that. Now, you can say at this point that maybe the Dalai Lama has lost it. And he's 87 years old. Maybe he's lost it. That, that raises uncomfortable questions about the current president of the United States, who has a, a penchant for smelling the hair of, of other human beings and happens to also be 80 years old. But, you know, you can say that he's lost it. The way that people very often lose it is not in super unpredictable ways. It's like the, the barriers sort of come down. So let's put it this way. If this does not launch a bunch of media investigations into this sort of behavior in this particular arena, then you know why. And the reason is, once again, certain religions are treated by the media in different ways than other religions are treated by the media. There's no question. But by the way, it's not just Catholics, right? If this had happened, if if one of the major rabbis in the Jewish community had done this, same sort of deal. Major evangelical Christian had done this. Huge sort of deal. Muslims, not so much. Buddhists, not so much. That that is the way that the Western media works on this sort of stuff. But uh, does this require further explication? Uh, It seems to me, yes, because that's not just like a little bad. That is a lot bad. All right, guys, the rest of the show is continuing right now. You're not going to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. You have to actually be a member over at Daily Wire Plus in order to have your question answered in the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.